This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. There's no ROI on TMI. That's why TD Ameritrade created a learning experience that will actually learn with you. Curated from their vast library of exclusive content, it customizes to fit your investing goals, interests, and needs, so you get exactly the information you need and none of the information you don't. Get started at tdameritrade.com education. Once again, that's tdameritrade.com education. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Cramer. Let me ask a question. How much of the Trump rally needs to be repealed before we get to levels where it's simply not worth selling anymore? I don't think we're there yet. After a really hideous, miserable day, much worse than even the averages look. Dow plunging 497 points felt worse than that. S&P plummeting 1.91% felt worse than that. NASDAQ nosediving 2.26%. Wow. Ugh. Has this market finally gotten cheap enough to be tempting to be doing some... Bye, bye, bye! Tough question. And the answer is probably not yet, but not because of the companies themselves. The bear is romping too often these days, like today, and it's taking down the good with the bad. It's not bothering to figure out who's naughty or nice. See, that's a sign that it is too early to do anything but pick on the way down. I'll tell you why we have to pick in a second. But at this pace, though, we will not have long to go to where stocks have gotten too cheap to ignore. It it is not the companies themselves, though. And you have to ask yourself, if it isn't the companies that's causing the sell-off, well, what the heck is it? Let me give you some context. You see, we're at a peculiar junction at this moment. There are landmines all over the place. We know that Fed Chief Jerome Powell has committed us to a rate hike next week. And even though he's made some conciliatory noises, you know, he still hasn't formally backed off from the idea that we might need three rate hikes next year to tamp down inflation, even if it means wrecking the economy. The market's been heavy. In fact, honestly, come on, it's a bear market. Ever since Powell talked about the need to overshoot at the beginning of October, oh, we rallied after he partially walked back those comments, but it really was not a mea culpa at all. No, and the damage has already been done. Do not get me wrong. I understand why he feels the need to tighten. I get that. I've said one's okay. Uh, we got strong job growth, rising wages, robust industrial production numbers came out today. I see that. Retail sales were good. I get that, too. But on the other hand, housing's tanking, autos are awful, construction's slowing. Another rate hike will give us an inverted yield curve where short-term interest rates are higher than long-term rates. And that is often a sign that we're about to have a recession and, if anything, that we've been too optimistic about the future. If we weren't, the long rates would be spiking. Okay, so what does Powell do? The smartest thing Jerome Powell could do here would be to wait another month or two to see which of these indicators are telling the truth. Retail sales, wages, or all these industries that are in decline, especially when we know that there will be tens of thousands of layoffs in retail alone a month from now. And don't kid yourself, retail is not 
having a good Christmas. Unfortunately, Powell wedded himself to a rate hike this month, and now he can't back down. Not down without making the Fed look toothless. And that does matter. When you're running a central bank, it helps when people believe you'll follow through with your plans, even if your plans are wrong and a rookie mistake. Still, it's a shame that so many supposed experts simply refuse to do their homework when Powell made his ridiculously sanguine pronouncements about the economy. I hate to say I told you so, but to everyone who insisted the Fed was all-knowing and I was a moron, I told you so. It's not like I can see the future. I just study the film. I do the homework, massive amounts of it. It's what I'm proud of. No matter how much work it takes, I do it. In other words, I think I out-hustled the Fed here, and not for the first time. See, in the summer of 2007, before the Great Recession, I knew the Fed was wrong about the state of the economy because I'd done the research, and I called it as I saw it. They know nothing! What happened? Well, they literally laughed at me during one of their meetings. It's very funny stuff. I've got it here. So they actually, it says laugh in parentheses. Well, I don't know. He laughs last. No, everybody lost. I don't want people to lose big this time. In short, because Jerome Powell's team didn't do the homework. Maybe they were too young. Maybe they were too busy. I don't know. Maybe they were watching the ball game. I don't know what they were doing. But now he's locked himself into hitting us with an unnecessary rate hike. And that's the state of play as we head into next week's action. If he were able to wait, I think he'd get all that he wanted. What's our game plan in this ridiculous situation? A man-made situation. Man-made bear market. First, we have to watch where Johnson & Johnson... You know, this is really one of America's greatest companies, can I tell you something? The stock got crushed today. Thanks to a story that said the company knew its baby powder had asbestos in it for decades and did nothing. It's a pretty horrible story. It's a bad narrative. But think it through. J&J lost about $40 billion worth of value today. Yet all the experts I talk to indicate that maybe even some losses is a $7.5 billion issue. Let's double that. Call it 15. Cash flow is 20 billion. J&J is adamant, by the way, that the story is complete and utter pack of lies. Why should we believe J&J? Aren't they just another bunch of hacks? I don't think so. I trust them. But I'll work all weekend on the damn thing. I know. I can't just come in here and say I think it's fine. Now, that said, stocks that come down this hard in one session almost never turn on a dime. If J&J rallies on Monday, the bull folks who bought it today when it was down 15 will probably flip out of it and knock it right back down. So please be careful. If you wait until the end of the day on Monday, given the parameters I just outlined, I think you'll be rewarded, but not this week. Of course, it's such a treacherous market. Uh, I would leave room to buy a little more Tuesday if you decide that J&J is right for you because the panickers never seem to be done panicking. Monday night, we hear from Oracle, the huge software company that keeps telling us it's doing fabulously in the cloud, yet the numbers don't seem to bear that out. Or at least they don't show the kind of runaway growth you get from our cloud kings. However, you got some real low expectations here. I'm not saying Oracle's a buy. Uh Uh-uh, no way. But if you probably own it, if you already own it, it's probably not worth selling in the quarter. I mean, let's just see. Stock's kind of down on its butt. Red Hat reports, too. Now, this software company's done, all right? Why? Because it's being bought by IBM. So it might be a moot point. But if the company delivers a better-than-expected quarter, it could possibly impact one of the worst-acting stocks in the Dow, which is IBM itself. 
Tuesday morning, we get results from Darden. I'd like to see the parent of Olive Garden keep up its string of terrific numbers. If they can contain the verbiage about higher labor costs, which everybody has, and just talk about growth, it has a chance to rally. Some people just insist on just talking about the negatives. After the close, we hear from two companies with really beaten up stocks, FedEx and Micron. Oh, man, these stocks are not for the squeamish. All I can say is that the huge declines in these two stocks have not insulated their stocks from huge declines. In other words, in a bear market, you don't get a bottom that easy. If FedEx hadn't just announced the retirement of a key executive, I'd say it's probably worth trying to pick some up for the long term ahead of the quarter. Now, though, I just as soon find out why he's retiring. I mean, this is the biggest week for FedEx, and the top guy retires in a domestic? That doesn't sound good. As for Micron, symbol MU, the commodity semiconductor company, the numbers need to come down here, I believe. And when they do, it doesn't seem to matter where a stock is. If you cut numbers, the stock goes down more. And I've got to tell you, what you want to do with Micron is that maybe there's some pin action. And if you think so, then what you want to do is you want to buy Broadcom, you want to buy Intel, really cheap stock, or AMD if you can get it under 19 I think those are much better buys than actually just sticking your head in the Micron lion's den. Wednesday, the Fed meeting, and it feels like we're in uncharted waters, doesn't it? As I've told you many times, the Fed needs to become more data-dependent, meaning when the facts change, they change their minds, too. See, what this is called, I have a name for it. It's called prudence. Like prudence. Like, remember when your mom told you you got to be prudent and, like, don't be like a pop-off or impudent, you know, don't be irrational, all those things? Well, here's some irrationality. If J-PAL starts talking about all that dot plot nonsense and overshooting and the strong fundamentals away from the wages, well, I've got to tell you something. You want to see a bear market? That guy is going to be a one-man Kodiak. <laughs> Let's help you realize this is creating a nightmare before Christmas. Jay, all you got to do, all right, look at me. I am your captain. Jay, all you got to do is you got to say, you know what? You were too exuberant when you proclaimed the need for many more rate hikes. Own it. That's what the champs do. They own it. It's okay. I do it. I own it a lot. If you say one and wait, the market could actually be off the races, which is why we can't give up on stocks. But, you know, choose those words carefully. No rashness. All right? Thursday after the close, Nike reports, and I keep thinking this is a great time to be able to own the sneaker kingpin because it's one of those dominant cycles. Once again, though, the company's got to walk a fine line. If there's any Chinese weakness at all, any fear of weakness at all, bingo, 60s. However, of all the companies that report next week, I think Nike's got the best story to tell. Finally, on Friday, we hear from CarMax, or we don't listen, we don't listen because it's that bad. This used car retailer is part of the economy that I am worried about. It's called the real economy, and it isn't doing well. I doubt the numbers will inspire any confidence. Yeah, it's like that. Look, here's the bottom line. I'm not being too cynical here. I am worried about a treacherous market. I repeat, once again, it is a treacherous market. It is a mean market. It is an angry market. It reacts horribly to even the slightest bit of troublesome news. It doesn't even like good news. We now sit at the lowest level since April, and I don't think we're done with the decline. There are bargains being created. You just got to know where to look for them. The problem is there's just not enough to do the job. I'm going to Jake in New York. Jake. Hey, what's going on, Jim? Ah, Jake, it's another miserable day at the office. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Uh, I have a question for you about Snapchat. Seems people are only paying attention to the daily active users and not that they're able to keep those users on for longer periods of time. Uh, where are we headed with this? Snap? Yes. Man, I don't know. It's got that kind of Zynga feel, you know. Um it, it, it's got that uh, Groupon, a two-feel. This stock doesn't really have any fundamental. You know, this stock's not really a stock. 
I mean, it, 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 it trades, but it's not really a stock because they own all the stock. It's kind of like a Yonker state. You got to Google that. It's like Yonkers like with a J. Okay, how about Truman in California? Truman! Booyah, Jimmy boy. You're named after a great president, Chief. The buck stops right here, baby doll. You bet. Remember what he said when they attacked his daughter? He came after them. That's like those people who attacked my daughter on Twitter. Particular set of skills. Nightmare. If they read Confessions of a Street Act, the last chapter, they'd be crying and they'd be in tears. It's a tearjerker. Nobody knows that. Well, you know, I got to... You know, I am the I most, it. don't forget, though, my nephew, Cliff Mason, does call me the most sincerely insincere man in North America. I say that's not true. I think it's the continental United States. I double negative States. that. I double negative that for you, yes. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Jim, first, quick thank you uh, uh, for Ollie's. That one investment I just cashed in from the low 20s that from your lips to, uh, to, your lips to a paid-in-full statement for my son's four-year college degree and... His MBA fully paid. You gave somebody a future where there might not have been one, Jim. You change lives. You don't know it. You do. Thank you, man. Which so, one was it? Which one? Cal State Fullerton. Both. No, no. Well, that's great. I know that. I mean, what, what was the stock? It worked? Oh, that was. No, no, no. That was Ollie's that you gave me. And oh. the hopes I want to repay, oh, I want Ollie's, to repay yeah. you. No, no. I want to repay you. I found what I consider cloud royalty. Not a king, but royalty. Three strong points. I see this firm's name on as much as every CapEx invoice I see as Splunk. Now that every firm is digitizing, what besides regulation is more stringent and required in every internal and external audit and Federal Reserve audit is data governance, model risk, okay. uh, data backup All and right. storage. So, yeah, let's get the to last- that stock, man. What, we, what stock would that be? That is Veeve, V-E-E-V. Oh, yeah, Gassner. We have Gassner on. It's a good story. In a wild market, that stock can go down 20% in a flash, but you have to be willing to buy it, not sell it. And thank you for those kind words. I feel pretty good. I mean, it's just been horrendous. I mean, look, I feel like putting on a bear costume, for heaven's sake. Oh, thank you. A bear costume. All right. Much more on Mad Money. We've got mm, uh, this market stretchers. But I don't think it's gotten cheap enough to be tempting. To, oh, although, look, if Aviv goes down 20%, we're going to have to be there. Thank you to the Fed for creating this one. It's not because of the actual companies. The good is going down with the bad. It's just way too early to think, let's take a big swing. Pick on the way down, but no more than that. Mad Money tonight, they say hate's a very strong word. So why am I using it when it comes to this market? I'll reveal it after today's big decline. Then, did you hear it? I can now get my children with their cappuccino with skin wet without leaving the comfort of my own home. That's right. Starbucks just announced it was rolling out delivery across the U.S. Don't miss my interview with the CEO of Starbucks and Uber at the brand new Reserve Roastery in New York. And the deadline to sign up for insurance under Affordable Care is happening fast. What does the nation's largest supplier of individual coverage, the Affordable Care Act, have to say? I'm talking to Centene and stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Investing isn't one size fits all. Every investor has a unique style. That's why TD Ameritrade offers two different mobile apps, 
There's TD Ameritrade Mobile, which lets you manage your portfolio with streamlined simplicity. Or Thinkorswim Mobile, which gives you tools you need for more advanced trades and in-depth analysis. Visit tdameritrade.com apps to find the one that's right for you. Once again, that's tdameritrade.com apps. Boy, is this market ever hated? It's not j- just some glib judgment from me. Now it's become an empirical fact brought to you by the American Association of Individual Investors poll, which shows the most bearish sentiment reading in five and a half years. Almost 50% of those polled believe stocks are headed lower. The last time we got such a negative reading was in 2013. You know what? That turned out to be a terrific buying opportunity. Buy, buy, buy! But very few people realized it at the time. Now, I would love to tell you that you should be, like in 2013, buying stocks because the market is just too hated. I wish I could just say, just go all in, embrace the decline because sentiment can't possibly stay this negative for this long. Or in shorthand, there's too many bears for this sucker to keep going down like this. But I can't do that. I can't do that because this is not 2013. Back then, there were no worthwhile alternatives to stocks. They had the best yields. Interest rates were so low that keeping your money in certificates deposits just felt downright foolish. Stocks were the only game in town. Not anymore. These days, you can get a CD uh, out a couple of years that yields more than 3%. Sure, that's not great versus what the S&P 500 has historically given you over time, especially if you reinvest dividends. A diversified portfolio, I still say, is the best way to make money. But 3% just ain't bad, and it's risk-free. For many people, particularly baby boomers, think me, the stock market's become too treacherous here. And unlike 2013, there are viable alternatives. In 2013, it was incredibly foolish to put your money in CD. These days, I almost feel like you're being foolish if you keep all your money in stocks. Now, when Jay Powell, our uh, misguided Fed chairman, raises interest rates next week, and I think it, it, it's just a question of when, not if, CDs will become even more lucrative. Hardly ever thought I'd use that word with the term CD. And I bet that causes investors to pull yet another wave of capital from the stock market. It has been going on for weeks on end, a major reason why we've been going down. Now, look, I am urging you to think a little more long-term and not give up on stocks. We still have plenty of companies that are doing well, and their stocks actually do get cheaper as they go lower. Unfortunately, this is one of those times where you enter the house of pain the moment you buy a stock. Let's use three good examples. Let's talk about J&J, let's talk about Costco, and let's talk about Adobe. Now, if you bought any of these stocks yesterday, you'd say, wow, that had to have been the worst financial decision I've ever made. Adobe and Costco must, must have had shortfalls, right? I mean, the stocks wouldn't have been down so much. J&J's story about company knowing about asbestos and talc, dreadful. Asbestos is a carcinogen, and all the asbestos companies got wiped out when we learned that they've been concealing that fact for years, which is what a Reuters story said today. In reality, though, Adobe reported a terrific quarter, but the stock had already run up dramatically. Same with Costco. People just assumed the numbers were bad, though, because the stock went down. There was no rigor to the process at all. In short, Adobe and Costco are broken stocks, but they're not broken companies. As for Johnson Johnson, I think it's actually going to come out okay. Not at first. As I told you at the top of the show, I expected to keep getting hit on Monday. But the stock has already come down so dramatically that the liability from the asbestos issue may actually be a little more baked in than we think. Look, sentiment is very negative here. Historically, that's made for some good buys, for some excellent opportunities. But this time might be different. That said, even if the market keeps getting clobbered, some individual stocks have come down so far, so fast, that they're now getting too cheap to ignore. It's just that right now, there aren't very many of them. Stick with Craig. 
This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. In unprecedented times, access to the right information can help you make better informed investing decisions. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to providing a range of relevant educational content, like timely articles, informative webcasts, and access to daily live market news, so you can stay on the path to becoming a smarter investor. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash market hub. TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. Now, Jim, I got I to gotta tell you, we're going to go down to the experience bar, and I'm going to show you how to pull a shot of espresso. Okay, Come on. let's go. Does you he got know one? what he's doing? Here. He's here got, he doesn't go. even have an apron. Here we go. Does here we go. Here, here, let me, let me. You want to push not too hard, but you want just a little. You want to tamp that down. Okay, perfect. Oh, look at that, Jim. You're on. Is that good? You just pulled a perfect shot of espresso. Let's try it. Right here. The Kramer. Cheers. Cheers, man. Mmm. What? Do you, I mean, what do you... It's not tequila. You don't shoot it. You savor it. Where are we headed? All right. Wow. Just a second. I think it's kind of rocket fuel. I mean, I mean, like, you know, well, like LOX. You well, know what I mean? I, I mean, like, boom. Well, I think we're on our fifth yeah. shot of espresso this morning, Jim. Yeah. All right. Let's okay. <laughs> Whoa. Ha. Well, you know, and I COVID. I mean, what did you say they did? Just like, you know, just come to work without any COVID. Anyway, this morning I was at the grand opening of the Roastery in New York City. It's another star in the Starbucks constellation, Roastery Cities, joining Seattle, Shanghai, and Milano. Take a look at the lines at the Milan Roastery just this weekend. Anyway, well, Starbucks held its biennial investor day. Uh, which is a huge thing. I've been to a bunch of them. And if you only looked at the headlines, you'd think it was some sort of soul-crushing experience with the company trimming its long-term earnings growth forecast. Negativity sort of a vibe right now. I mean, just look at this market today. Ouch! But let's also remember that there was so much good news from the Starbucks event. Continued mid-single-digit same-store sales, tons of cash generation, great stuff out of China, and the news that Starbucks is expanding its delivery partnership with Uber Eats. They want to hit a quarter of the U.S. stores by the second quarter of next year. Now, this morning, I had a chance to catch up with uh, Kevin Johnson. He's the CEO of Starbucks. And Dara Khosrowshahi, he is the CEO of Uber. And, wow, was this a lot of fun. You know what? I still feel, I mean, maybe I'll go to sleep tonight. Maybe I'll go to sleep. Maybe I'll see you on Monday. Huh? Okay, I'm ready. Take a look. All right, I have to tell you, Kim, I don't want to, maybe I'm jaded. Because when I walked here and I went around, I, I said to myself, wow. Yeah, this is one of the most amazing palaces. I mean, lived in New York for a long time. You have created something here. Well, Jim, this is the pinnacle of experiences around all things coffee. You know, we started with this vision about five years ago. We built our first Starbucks Reserve Roastery in Seattle. It is now one of the top one or two uh, destinations in Seattle for tourists and locals. We then a year ago opened the Shanghai Roastery, uh, three months ago, uh, Milan, and now today in New York. So. This is about all things coffee, from roasting to different brew methods, uh, the Princi Italian Bakery, scoop beans, it's all right here. Uh, Darm, you are teamed up with Kevin to be able to bring us things. When I go around here, I'm saying to myself, will they expand it so I can have this all day? Can I get you all day to bring this stuff to me? Well, that's one of the beauties about the, the combination that we've got here, which is in the morning you can come to the roastery, but maybe at lunch, if you're too busy, you can you can order either either on Starbucks or or on Eats to get the delivery in the middle of the day. And I think one of the services that we like to bring to our restaurant partners is to spread demand 
where restaurants need demand and to create incrementality as well. And we saw signs of that in Miami in our pilot together. So we're pretty optimistic about having Starbucks for lunch, uh, for breakfast, lunch, and who knows, maybe dinner. I would think that every dense city where there are employees that can get together is a natural for what you guys are doing together. Absolutely. And we've actually launched now Eats for Business so that businesses, we can integrate the Eats experience into business, expense reports, etc. Uh, and you can get your food while you're working and it's good for the business and it's probably good for the individual as well. Is it too expensive for most people? You know, people have so far, when you look at the Eats business, we're growing, we're at 8 billion gross bookings run rate, growing at 150% year on year. Clearly customers value the experience and they're willing to pay for the booking fee and the delivery fee. So it's been, uh, you know, the convenience right now, convenience is so important as part of life. Uh, consumers will pay for convenience. No, Kevin, one of the things that you've done that I just really applaud you for, You've recognized how to do the best uh, affinity program, so to speak. You've recognized that there were problems with lines. A lot of people like me said, who is that guy cutting in front of me? I didn't like that, Kevin. You have solved a lot of the logistic issues. I think some of that is your excellent background in technology. Well, certainly, as we launched Mobile Order and Pay, we had to re-engineer the way we created that experience in the stores. And one of the things that Dar and I have been very focused on we launched this uh, Starbucks Delivers uh, pilot in Miami in partnership with Uber Eats and we, our teams worked together to really ensure we deliver the best customer experience and part of that required us to integrate the technology so that uh, you know, as an order comes in it seamlessly integrates into our in-store operations and as, uh, as an Uber Eats uh, driver comes in to, to make that delivery we know how to do those handoffs. So we're doing this in a way that really focuses on the customer experience first. And it's working in China too. And it is working in China. In fact, yesterday we announced that we have now um, implemented Starbucks Delivers in 2,000 stores. And your partner? Uh, our partner is with Alibaba. Right. And uh, Star uh, Starbucks Delivers in partnership with Alibaba, 2,000 stores across 30 cities. And we did the same thing. We integrated the, the technology and we really looked at the, at the customer experience and we actually took the learnings that we got from China and we are applying them in our partnership with Uber Eats. I pick up the paper every day and I see about the crisis between the U.S. and China. You spend a huge amount of time in China. Boots on the ground, you feel the crisis? You know, I'm in China. I was in China a few weeks ago. I'm in China, you know, at least once a quarter. And, uh, you know, our business is doing very well in China. I think the fact that we have been in China now for 20 years and we came to China and, and, and entered that business with respect for the Chinese culture. We've tailored the design of our stores. You know, we now have 50,000 Starbucks partners that we hire in China. We use local contractors to build our stores. And as a result, the Starbucks brand is, is a very healthy brand in China. And I would, your respect for the elderly. Uh, my father worked for the Chinese when he was from 79 to, to 92, and he was just, he marveled. They just love and respect the elderly. I don't find many American companies seem to understand that you uniquely understand it. Well, you know, we, we've always been a company that invests in our partners and takes care of our partners. And as we talked to our Starbucks partners in China, one of the things that they said was important to them was being able to care for their aging parents. So we created a completely new form of insurance, which is a, a, a you know, a, a parental uh, illness insurance to help with catastrophic illness of parents. And now our partners have that ability to take care of their parents. It really is a family-oriented culture. Okay, uh, I read a, a, an excellent book by my friend Adam Lashinsky about the Uber culture. Uh, 
Now, obviously, that's previous to you. Mm -hmm. But it seemed ingrained that the uh, headquarters was not nearly as, uh, I think, the way that you would do it, so to speak, which is clean, ethical, terrific. How big a hurdle? And uh, is there, are there still, do you have to do root and branch? Is this something where you needed to do uh, truth and reconciliation? Because I think you know what I mean by that. I think that culture work is never done. And the fact is that some of the Uber culture, you know, was good in that created an incredible company that grew extraordinarily fast, um, innovative very quickly. But I think that what happens is success sometimes imprints uh, faster than failure. And sometimes when you succeed too fast, you don't take the time to kind of rebuild the framework right. from within. And so I think, listen, this is a renewal process. I have a great team in terms of rebuilding a new Uber culture, which takes some of the old and then adds to it, like we do the right thing, period. We celebrate differences. We build globally, but we live locally. Uh, and culture, it's, it's at a point in time right now. I think we're at a much better point in time. Uh, we get to have partners like Starbucks that are extraordinary partners that we can align with. Uh, but the culture work is never done. But I'm much, much happier where we are today than where we were a year ago. Okay, Dara, so many of our viewers love Uber. I've never heard a complaint about Uber, frankly. And what they really want to do more than anything else in the world, own shares in Uber. Mm -hmm. uh, I know the government makes it difficult to be able to talk about that, but do you think a year from now, those who ride in Uber will be buying shares in Uber? I certainly hope so. We, and, when I got in, I, I said that one of our goals is for the company to be public in 2019. Uh, and there's a lot of work that has to go into that. Uh, and I can tell you that we're on track for that goal, no guarantees, and hopefully the market conditions are such that uh, we will have a welcoming market, so to speak. Well, I hope that the market's certainly, certainly a little more forgiving yes. than it is right now. This is an odd period in time. Uh, both of you are long-term players. I think that's the way you have to play it. Okay, that's Kevin Johnson, he's Starbucks CEO, and Dara Kosmashahi, he is Uber CEO. Two people who I think emblem, really emblematic of the goodness of American business. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, gentlemen. When the market sells off, you know how it is. Sometimes the baby gets thrown out with the bath water. Take Centene, CNC, one of my faves, the health plan provider for government-sponsored programs like Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare exchanges. This is exactly the kind of stock you want to buy when you're worried about a slowing economy, which is what we have. Yet it got slammed today, along with everything else, of course, down 4%. Why? Well, maybe for the moment, Centene's out of fashion with the Wall Street show. You know what I mean? It, showed, it had a great couple of weeks, uh, just a few weeks ago, where the stock was flying, and then people suddenly were worried about declining Obamacare enrollments. And today, the company held an analyst day. Stock got hit anyway after management reaffirmed their bullish guidance for 2018, gave you a solid forecast for next year, one that was almost perfectly in line with what the analysts were looking for. I thought better. In the past, every time Centene's been hit like this, it's turned out to be a terrific buying opportunity. Could this be another one after the smoke clears? Let's find out with Michael Nydorf. He's the chairman and CEO of Centene. To hear more about his company's prospects, Mr. Nydorf, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Always good Have to a see seat, you, Michael. sir. Thank you. All right, I've been trying to tell people all day, Michael, that the market right now is treacherous. It's not making sense. And your Exhibit A, you put up unbelievable numbers. And it didn't matter, frankly, whether the economy was good or not. I just want to give people a chance. You said good things, correct? We did. We said that you know, the uh, marketplace were growing it in the same store as well as new markets when they thought we were going to be down. 
we're going to be up 17% on a big base to $70 billion. Our bottom line is growing 19%. We talked about margin expansion. We talked about programs where we're reducing our G&A and other costs right. to reinvest without affecting margins. I mean, from my perspective, I couldn't have think of anything better to say. No, that there was. I went through it. There really wasn't. As a matter of fact, I want people to know mm-hmm. something. We had a, uh, we've had some consumer uh, pricing uh, numbers which show that healthcare is actually no longer uh, costs are coming down. Now, I want people to know this. This man is the market leader in revenue in the four largest Medicaid states: California, Texas, New York, and Florida. Is it possible you are so big that you're part of this cost containment that we're beginning to talk, see that no one's talking about? We said our rates were going to go up 1.5% next year on average. And every other year has been somewhere from 0 and 1. We are saving the states a lot of money, but we're also improving the outcomes. We have better outcomes, heater scores, everything else. I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't want to be braggadocious, right. but I think we're hitting all the things that need to be hit the right way. And then I thought, well, maybe it's political, but actually the election was, you may have been the biggest beneficiary of the companies I follow with the way the, the uh, congressional election went down. It should be stable. We, we right? had a very bipartisan panel today. And, you know, everybody was saying, you know, we're, in, we're the best position for anything that's going to happen. And we're talking on both sides of the aisle. It's... Uh, as you said, the market's just not being very rational. Well, there's also a lot of negativity about the exchanges and some of the Obamacare exchanges, some of political. I don't know. I, you know I had done a lot of work on it for my own family. They're not all busted. No, no. I mean, it's, it can work well. It is working well. The one volatility that I spoke about today that people have to be prepared for to not worry about, discount it, is this Texas court case. Yes, explain that because okay. it was well, beyond there's a, my there's, there, there's a group of attorney generals, Republican, that have filed a case in Texas suggesting that this, because they no longer uh, have the mandate, that it's not necessary and it's inappropriate, it's not constitutional. Having said that, they, in my, our opinion and others, they selected a judge where we believe the, it's predetermined it's going to be found to be true. Nobody's worried about it because they know on appeal it's going to get reversed. It will be stayed. It, will, it should be a non-event. And we heard very leading politicians today from the administration elsewhere say, if that happens, even if it didn't get overturned, then people are going to react instantly. Right. You're not going to limit it. But people worry about things when they don't need to well, worry. And in this market, you've got things. Now, you can't speak to J&J and this talc uh, story, but if there's negativity, I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, one of the things, to your credit, I wanted to talk about. In your analyst day, you had the reverend who was very powerful in Fidelis. Yes. And a lot of people Probably. were worried. You, you bought this fund, and people I know were worried. Say, listen, now it's went from being this great Catholic charity to being just another public corporation. It would have been an opportunity for him to not speak or to not be as complimentary to what Centinus brought to his organization. You know, Everything is as is. They're thrilled to be part of us. We were giving them systems and capabilities an individual plan could not afford. They love it. They not the employees are more engaged than ever. There's been no more turnover, less turnover really. The doctors all signed up to join it. He he's thrilled. He's going to continue to work with us. I'm sensitive to his position after January one, but he wants to find ways to try and try and help us. The team's all in place. I couldn't be happy with it. It's seamless. 
And the last question, how was enrollment? You, you, you and I were talking. It's, it's, these are the final days. I mean, where, what, 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 give us a tally. Now, there's, there's, there's two states, California and Texas. Yeah. We'll go to January. Right now, okay. we are ahead of last year. We're growing. We told them today between 50 and 100,000. Same story is growing. Right. New states are growing. The things they were worried about, the demographics of the people joining are the same as last year and the year before. 80% of the people, once again, re-enrolled. That's great. You know, it's, it's what you want. Right. Well, let's leave it there because I wanted people to know that stocks are going down that are having great quarters and stocks going down that are having bad quarters. What happens in the end is the great quarters will surface and you have to buy them. That's Michael Myrov. He's chairman and CEO of Centene Corp. They had a great quarter and they had a terrific analyst day. And don't let the stock determine what you think about a company. Mad Money's back in. It is time! Shut the light! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dance over the lightning round. Because you want to start with Brandon in Texas. Brandon! Jim, a big booyah from the Big D. Appreciate you taking my call. All right, fair enough. What's up? Hey, got a question. A few months ago, you uh, you talked about uh, Children's Place. I think it's PLCE, and uh, since then, it's kind of taken a dive off the uh, well, chart. Look, I mean, what, what happened you, uh, is Christmas turned. Look, Children's Place is in a bear market. There's a big retail bear market going on. That quarter wasn't that bad. This stock is now down 67 straight points. But I got to tell you, it's probably not done going down. But they are a good company. So if you want to start buying some, you certainly aren't buying it at the top. Let's go to Frank in Florida. Frank! Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for everything you do. Oh, thank you. So, uh, my stock is HQI. What do you think about it? It's, it's got hammered recently, but I thought... You know, a technology <laughs> concern that is with the healthcare business is going to get killed because, you know, we had Centene on. Centene delivered great numbers, and that's going down. you got to be careful out there with that kind of stock. Let's go to Rodney in South Carolina. Rodney. Hey, Jim Kramer. How are you doing today? I'm good, Rodney. How about you? Great. I wanted to check on what your thoughts on Synchrony Financial Not are. done going down. Doesn't yield enough to be able to protect it and has a lot of credit. It's a credit card business that I don't care to own. I say Ixnay Synchrony A. Let's go to Mike in Connecticut. Mike. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I say I'm calling in about Yeti. We think Yeti is an inexpensive, great brand name stock that if it come public with one in a bear market, this stock would be scorching higher. Let's go to John in New York. John. Hey, how's it going, Jim? Not bad, John. How about you? Uh, doing well. We'll be on the roller coaster. Yes. And, uh, I was thinking, uh, you know, what's your opinion about Delta? Well, look, I've got to tell you, the airlines have just gone into major bear market mode. And in major bear market mode, the one I want to own is Love, but Delta's fine. Understand, they are not going higher right now. Let's go to Jivon in California. Jivon. Hi, Jim. Thank you for the show. Great show. Oh, thank you, Jivon. My uh, my question is the following. I bought Bank of America two months ago for $30.50. Okay. Do you think it's the time to double it? No, at to 20, double- you'll buy more. At 20, you'll buy more Bank of America. The banks are in a bear market, 
and we're, oh, we're going to use very wide scales to buy it. Next stop, 20. That's where you pick it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. I don't know what Santa's going to bring me this year. Santa's going to be a jerk of China. I'm busting this. Achy. You know what? If I had a hammer, I'd hammer this. Oh, look at this. Okay. We're not using this, are we? I mean, we're not doing this show right now, are we? All right. Uh, what's pretty much what happens, I pout around with WeSig. Man, did we ever get a it Turns out that WeSig loves stocks. Well, I don't know. You didn't really say much, but I can tell and what I'll do is I'll kiss the camera. <laughs> How about that? Oh my, after another hideous day where everybody's terrified of a slowdown in the global commerce, we need to circle the wagons around some secular growth stories that really don't need a booming economy to do any work. Which brings me to Okta. That's a cloud-based enterprise software company that helps other businesses protect their networks from being infiltrated, yes, by hackers. Something that's not going away even in the face of a worldwide slowdown, maybe even increasing. Okta handles everything related to your login and verification credentials. Think usernames, passwords, and your mother's maiden name, your first car, your first job, of course, your favorite pet. This cloud prince reported a fantastic quarter last week. Yes, it's a cloud prince. Just a monster top and bottom line beat with management raising their full year guidance. Octa stock had been gutted previously by the market-wide meltdown, but it quickly came roaring back from its lows, and it's up a quick nine bucks since we last spoke to the CEO just two months ago. So could it have more upside here, or is this market just too powerful and treacherous? Let's check in with Todd McKinnon. He's the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Okta. Get a better sense of how his company's doing and where it is headed. Mr. McKinnon, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be back on Mad Money. All right, Todd. When you get uh, revenue growth of plus 50%, when you break through $100 million in a quarter, which I don't think people realize how hard it is to do, i got to give you the floor because i got to find out how you did it. Yeah, well, it was 58%, so uh, we're very proud of it. And uh, I think you, you teed it up in the intro, which is there are these big, big secular trends. I mean, cloud computing is a huge deal. And every company trying to be a technology company themselves is a huge deal. I mean, I'm sure you guys reported earlier this week, the number one app in the App Store is now Burger King. So Burger King made a mobile app, and now they're taking share from McDonald's because of their mobile app. And now what do you think McDonald's is going to do, right? Now they have to build a mobile app. So even companies you wouldn't think of as tech companies have to be like tech companies. And then the other thing is they have to do it securely. And when you take the cloud and you take the architecture of the network shifting fundamentally, securing it all is harder than ever before. And we can help customers do all three, which is why as the market can go up and down, these secular tailwinds are very powerful for our business. Well, I've got to tell you, tell one company that I admire greatly, my travel trust uh, owns, is Microsoft. You know, Microsoft tells me they've got great stuff. It seems like on a one-to-one basis, though, you're winning against them. Yeah, I mean, so the big difference between us and a company like Microsoft is we don't have a a particular platform that we're trying to connect users to. 
we want to connect users to every technology that's best for them, whether it's Salesforce or Workday or Amazon Web Services or Google or Office 365. So our, our value to customers is about neutrality. So we keep it neutral, we give the customers choice, and they can choose what's best for them and their business. So when they want to go out and build the great mobile app to change their fortunes, when they want to keep it secure, when they want to make their employees more productive, they can use the best technology possible. Not, it doesn't have to come from a certain vendor, and that's really the key to our success. All right, so uh, I shop at Albertsons when I'm out west. Uh, they are a, a client of yours. What do you do for Albertsons? So we're really excited about Albertsons. It's a newer customer for us, but they are fully live and deployed on the identity cloud. So this is not a new win before they go live. This is actually a live successful, successful customer, which is very important to us. Over 30 million consumers log into their portal to essentially do, uh, redeem coupons. Oh. So coupon offers, and they can get discounts at stores. They do that online now, of course, like everything else is going online. And Okta is the login, the identity and security layer for that portal. So it's driving incredible customer benefits for Albertsons customers um, and uh, for the organization itself. Okay, uh, my wife got a note this uh, weekend. It's saying, listen, we're really sorry. We, you're a Marriott rewards person. Uh, you've been hacked. We're going to try to do our best. Yeah. Is there any way you can get in there now to make it so that someone isn't stealing my wife's identity? Well, I, it's, it starts with pre protecting the data so we can avoid these breaches from happening. And it's, it, it's a very uh, vast conversation about how to do that. But if you boil it all down, especially from an investor perspective, what, what you should think about is the architecture of IT is fundamentally shifting. We're moving from really a network-based security model to now the network doesn't matter as much because you may be accessing a website from your hotel room, from your office, from a coffee shop, from your phone. Every network is the network. And so there's this, there's this uh, term in the industry called zero trust. So don't trust the network. Have individual-based security and policies at a detailed level that we're protecting no matter what network you're on. Mm -hmm. And we're right at the center of that because we're, we provide this identity cloud and identity being pervasive in solving this problem, it's, it's what's driving our success. Well, I want to congratulate you. I, I know that getting to that first hundred million and a quarter is extraordinary. You've got some very big competitors. Obviously, you're doing, you've got great partnerships, VMware partnership. You're doing so much that's right. That's Todd McKinnon. He's the co-founder and CEO of Okta. Look, in a better market, this thing would be up substantially. It's just holding its own, which actually, after today, ain't that bad. Everybody's back in the break. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just looking for when the Fed was making fun of me uh, in the summer of 2007 when I said a lot of firms were going to go out of business and they ought to do the right thing and stop doing the crazy stuff with rates and pay attention how the economy was rolling over. But no, no, they laughed at me. They said some funny things about me and they laughed at me and they're doing that now too. And it's going to be as unfunny as it was in 2007 if they're not careful. Oh, by the way, th this was caused largely by the Fed. Uh, let's at least understand that. Okay. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. Hey, I'll see you Monday. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. 
apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.